Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello, hello again. This is Steve Wilson, and we are picking up on our uh, podcast of our study through the book of Matthew. As you recall, we had to switch over from the contrast to Christianity and 1 Corinthians because I lost my notes. So we, uh, we switched to Matthew and uh, I've gone through kind of an introduction already. But um, just as a side note, you know, Matthew, went, back in the days when um, God really started getting my attention, I really decided it was time for me to start searching the Scriptures and deciding what it was God wanted me to do with my life. And, you know, he just really began to convict my heart. Uh, Matthew was the book I was drawn to. I started reading through that and, well, just not just reading through it, but really trying to study it in depth. And uh, ever since, it's just always been my favorite book of the Bible. I uh, don't know why, I'm just drawn to it. But uh, it's a great book. Of course, as I described in the introduction, it's part of the uh, four Gospels and also part of the Synoptic Gospels, which is comprised of the first three books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, so we're back today to try to continue our study through that. I said I would give you an outline. I'm just going to kind of run through it real quick. You don't have to jot this down. If you're interested in getting a copy of this outline, just let me know. Call me, text me, whatever, 513-543-9170. If you know me, just tell me when you see me. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. But, um, you know, I'll get a copy and get it to you if you like. I'm not going to go in depth here, but uh, there's, uh, let's see, I think I have uh, five, six different sections. Now, this I'm, I'm taking this from a set of notes. Actually, it's from a term paper that I did in uh, college. Uh, it was about a 50-page booklet, actually, that I wrote on the book of Matthew. And um, so if it sounds like I may be reading portions of it, I probably am. And then just adding comments, uh, things that I've picked up along the way since then. So, hope it's helpful. Um, in uh, the, the first section, chapters 1 through 4, we'll talk about the king revealed, or at least that's what I've entitled it. It talks about his birth, his infancy, uh, how he was in, about his ambassador, his adversary, and disciples. Section 2 is uh, the king's sermon, or the Sermon on the Mount, as we better know it, uh, chapters 5 through 7. Uh, the relationship of his subjects to the king, to the law, to God, and then to each other. Uh, chapters 8 and 9 is the third section, uh, addressing the king's power over diseases, demons, nature, power to heal, save, rebuke, cast out, things like that. Um, the fourth section is chapters 10 through 15, um, and that speaks uh, about the king and his kingdom. 
Uh, you know, talks about the twelve as went out to preach and the resistance he uh, encountered in the conflict with religious leaders and and uh, mysteries of the kingdom, uh, the king's feast and walk, authority, his authority to rebuke, perform miracles. Section five is the ministry of the rejected king. Uh, after he was revealed and and, and addressed the people, they he was rejected in verse chapter sixteen through seventeen. He was rejected by uh, the religious leaders. Talks about the transfiguration of the king, um, teachings of the rejected king, uh, apostles' future in the kingdom, labors in the vineyard, triumphal entry, marriage feast, um, king pronunciation of woes on the Pharisees, uh, discourse of the, of the king, a prophetic discourse of the king. That's chapters 24 and 25. Great chapters of prophecy, in case you decide you want to follow up on that someday. Today. Uh, and then um, chapter 27, the king tried and crucified. And then the final section, um, the ministry of the resurrected king. Uh, talks about, of course, his resurrection, the appearances. And then closes with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And I hope you all are familiar with that. So that's kind of a basic outline. But we'll go ahead and get into uh, the study of the actual book of Matthew going through some of the passages here. Now, you know, the New Testament doesn't pick up where the Old Testament left off. There was a period in between there, a period of captivity, and, and a lot of things happened, a lot of changes that occurred, about 400 years worth between Malachi and Matthew. Then it starts, of course, with the first four books or the four Gospels. Um, in the New Testament being written concerning the life of Christ. If you hear me pause for a moment, I'm just getting a drink of water to keep my voice lubricated. They're kind of like four different portraits of one great person, um, you know, four histories, but one hero. John Calvin refers to the four Gospels as a chariot driven by four horses in which the kingdom of glory sits. So I think that's a pretty good analogy. But anyway, it starts out in uh, chapter 1 talking about the generations of the king. The first 17 verses list a, uh, a genealogy. It's uh, necessary to give us the details of the genealogy of Joseph. This, it, it, and you have two gene genealogies in the New Testament, Matthew and Luke. <coughs> Luke gives you the genealogy of Jesus through Mary. And um, this is, you know, commonly believed to be the genealogy through Joseph. And the purpose of showing that is to show his kingship, the fact that he was in the kingly lineage, that he was entitled to the throne. He indeed was the king of the Jews, as Pilate put on his cross when he was crucified. So it's given you the, the uh, genealogy of Joseph, who was the stepfather of Jesus, um, then because he was the legal father, then, then Jesus was entitled to the throne. He was the firstborn. So uh, he had uh, legal lineage to the throne. And it goes all the way from Abraham through David, where the kingly lineage actually began, and then on down to Joseph from there. As I said, it establishes uh, Joseph as the legal heir to, to David's throne. So Jesus was legally in line as the heir of the throne of David. I, I've always found it interesting that the Jews 
Um, one of the uniqueness about the Israelites is the fact that they, all their life, in, in every facet of their life, was tied to, to Scripture. Um, and the fact that they were God's chosen people, unlike today <coughs> in the United States, whereas our forefathers actually um, started out, you know, when they were putting together the Constitution and laws of the land and, and that sort of thing, uh, many of them were godly men, and they would search Scripture, and they, they would they would study Scripture, and they'd come into the halls of Congress, and they'd say, hey, look, here's what I found in such such a book, and this is something, you know, such and such a book of the, of the Bible, and this is something we need to incorporate into our governmental structure because it's scriptural, and it's solid, and it works. And so they did that. In fact, if you study law, uh, you'll find that maybe, maybe the greatest lawyer of all time was Blackstone, and he was, in fact, today they still study his writings and works, and Blackstone's Law is one of the preeminent works of legal history, so, but he was a, he was a godly man, he was a Christian, and um, he, he based uh, much of his uh, legal premise upon Scripture. Um, so it's amazing to see some of the things that he incorporated into law that people still study today that, are, that came right out of the Bible. Um, but nonetheless, I've always thought that, you know, the, the Jews were unique in that because even though the United States started out right, they drifted far from it. And today, you know, they try to separate the two. Um, and, you know, so our, our politics and, and everything about us has, has been separated from Scripture. Um, but the Jews, not so. Now, you know, as we, we go through this, I want to take a look at some of this genealogy. I want to talk about a supposed uh, controversy uh, that lies here in Matthew chapter 1. That's probably all we're going to get through today. But um, if you'll notice as you read down through there, beginning in verse 2, it begins to list the genealogy starting with Abraham all the way down to Jesus. And then he mentions in uh, verse... 17, he says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David unto the carrying away of Babylon, 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon to Christ are 14 generations. Now, if you look closely and begin to actually count the begats, it says Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judas and his brethren, and so on. It begins to go down and list them. And uh, and then he breaks them down. He said, between Abraham and David are 14 generations, and from David to captivity is 14, and from captivity to Jesus is 14. 14 is kind of an important number, um, because if you had the three together, of course, that comes up to 42. So 42 is, is uh, mentioned in Scripture a few times. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 2, the Gentiles... Trample the whole city, the holy city, in the forty-second month of the tribulation. Revelation thirteen five: the beast is given forty-two months to blaspheme and carry out his activities. Luke four twenty-five: um, the famine during the uh, that is talked about during the time of Elijah lasted for forty-two months. And if you remember, in back in Kings chapter two verse twenty-four, it's you know in the section where it's talking about the children who were teasing um, Elijah. And the she-bear came out of the woods and, and killed them all. It were, there were 42 children that were killed. So it's it's kind of a, you know, it's it, it's an oft-mentioned number in the Scripture. It's also, if you think about it, it's a multiple of seven. 
In fact, it's uh, six times seven. And if you think about the 70th week of Daniel, the seven week tribulation and so on, it's at seventh seven. Uh, that kind of becomes important as the, the next week after the 42 is what we you know come into during the tribulation. So this is all in just kind of some interesting thoughts about the number 42. Another drink of water there, but the the controversy that I wanted to address before we run out of time, we've only got about four minutes left, has to do with the numbers. Because if you actually go down there and begin to count them, you only come up with 41 names, so we're one short. Fact is, there's actually four names, five names technically that are left out. There are three names that are left out in verse uh, eight between Josaphat and Jehoram, um, Ahijah. Uh, Jehoash and Amaziah were actually kings that, that, you know, descendants that lived during that period of time, but they were very wicked kings, extremely wicked. Now, none of these guys were perfect, some of them better than others, but these guys were so wicked, I don't have time to go into all the things that they did and just how bad they were. And um, in fact, one in the form of his death ended up being as if he never lived. But Anyway, these guys, I believe their names are left out because of the wickedness. Same way with uh, Jehoiakim, who is left out of uh, verse, um, let's see, verse 12, 11 and 12. He was the son of Josiah. Uh, Jeconias was actually his grandson, the one mentioned there. So Jehoiakim was Jeconias' father. What happened was when they went into the... Uh, captivity, uh, Jehoiakim was more of a puppet king, and he, he kept jumping back and forth between Egypt and, and Babylon, depending on who was in power at the period of time. And um, In fact, he even um, adopted, of course, many of the gods, rebuilt a lot of the sacrificial altars to the um, pagan gods and that sort of thing. So his name is left out, I think, for the same reason that the others were left out, but that still skews the count. Well, there's a couple things I want you to think about with regard to that. Number one, just because he says that there are 14 generations between there doesn't mean he has to mention them all. Uh, there's no rule that says he had to. He's just telling you that there were 14 generations and he's established enough to show that indeed, you know, Joseph was in the Davidic lineage and that's all he was trying to do. So it's not important that that he do all that, and the, to get to the 14, he's using more godly kings in order to do that. Uh, also, secondly, you notice he mentions, he says from Abraham to David is 14, and then from David to the carrying away, and then from the carrying away to Joseph, 14 in each of those. Well, it, it kind of leads you to believe he's talking more, not necessarily about the actual physical generations as he is the era or the time span or the time frame. So, <laughs> if you talk about going into the captivity and then coming out of the captivity, that's a that's a time frame in there um, that can count sort of as a generation. And I don't have time to get into that very deeply, but because he didn't mention actual names there, um, you then you can pick up your count with Jeconias if you want to, and and end the other one with Jehoiakim because he was the first king during that period of time, even though he wasn't mentioned. fact is, he, he was. So, 
you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's not that there's an error. Some people say that there were transcribing errors and that sort of thing. But that's not the case. Um, the God put this in here the way he put it in there for a reason. And all he was trying to establish was the kingly uh, lineage, and that's all that was necessary to do. So, I don't know, I hope that's enough to just kind of give you a cursory study of the first chapter. We'll pick up on chapter two next time. Thanks for listening.